Hello, and welcome to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gerand, and I'll be giving you my honest thoughts on the books I read. While the reviews will be short and to the point, they'll include everything you want to know without any spoilers to help you figure out what you should read next. So with that said, let's jump right in. Hi everyone, I'm back with another podcast episode, and today it's about a sci-fi book. If you haven't noticed from the title of this episode, I'm going to be talking about Dune by Frank Herbert. Some of you might have already read this book since it's been around for over 50 years and is sort of considered the father of all sci-fi, but some of you might be like me and maybe you're just vaguely familiar with this book and you've always been interested in it, but you've just never got around to reading it. So if that's the case, this episode is for you. As I said, this book is considered one of the forefathers of the science fiction genre, and it really laid the groundwork for the big sci-fi boom that happened throughout the 70s and 80s, with things like Star Trek, Star Wars, and Battlestar Galactica. But before this big sci-fi boom in the pop culture of the 70s and 80s, when Dune was published in 1965, it was not an initial success. Since sci-fi wasn't as widespread in the 60s and it was just more niche, the masses had to really warm up to it. But as some time went on and other sci-fi writers were inspired by it, Dune itself and the whole sci-fi genre gradually grew in popularity, which ended up ushering in the sci-fi craze that came after it. And I personally even see the influence of this book in some of the pop culture of today, specifically Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. I won't go into any of the specific comparisons, but I just think that really speaks to the cultural impact this book has had over the past 50 years. That being said, I do want to clarify that Frank Herbert wasn't the first person to ever write about sci-fi. There were some writers who came before him in the 40s and 50s, which he would definitely owe some level of inspiration to. But Dune really ended up making such an impact because of its originality and its epicness. And what I mean by epicness is that, originally, this was actually two short stories, because that was the norm for sci-fi at the time. But Herbert wasn't happy with it in that format, so he ended up going against the norm and putting them together into one large novel, which is Dune as we know it and is about 577 pages long. But because he did that, it ended up being rejected by 20 publishing houses, which was a big deal at the time because he was broke and his wife was their sole earner, so money was tight. It was finally accepted, though, by Chilton, which was a publishing company in Philadelphia that was known for trade and hobby publications, things like jeweler magazines and automotive manuals. But despite it being released with this niche magazine publisher, Dune eventually went on to sort of defy the odds and win two of the most prestigious sci-fi awards, the Nebula and the Hugo, which were both awarded in 1966. And as the years have gone on since then, it's sold millions of copies and is considered to be in the canon of great sci-fi works. The originality and uniqueness of Herbert's work speaks for itself by defying the odds and inspiring countless readers and other sci-fi writers. But now that I've told you a lot about the history surrounding the book, let me quickly tell you what it's about. It's set about 20,000 years in the future. Humans have spread out and colonized planets throughout the galaxy. 
but the focus of Dune revolves around the character Paul Atreides, the heir of the noble family Atreides, who have been tasked with ruling the desert planet Arrakis. Although Paul and his family originally come from the lush, oceanic planet Caladan, they're now in charge of ruling Arrakis, which is a dry and inhospitable planet where the only thing of value is the spice melange. And although it's referred to as a spice, essentially it's a drug that's capable of extending life and enhancing consciousness. And it's so highly coveted throughout the universe that it's considered something worth killing for. So not long after House Atreides arrives on Arrakis, they're betrayed, which sets Paul on a journey that he'll lead him towards his destiny of becoming a savior of the planet and its native people, known as the Freemen. And to mark this transformation and growth from a boy into a man or boy into a savior, he takes on the new name of Muad'Dib, fulfilling an ancient prophecy. I don't know about you, but after I read the description for this book, I was immediately hooked. And after giving it a read, the story definitely lived up to my expectations. This was a super interesting read with a solid cast of characters and a dynamic plot. I think where this book shines most is with its ingenuity and originality. That being said, in my opinion, Herbert doesn't do the best job at really getting readers to form an emotional connection with the characters. I think other authors do that better, but what he did do brilliantly is the premise and everything conceptual. Things like the setting, all sorts of details, the character dynamics, and the whole atmosphere that makes up or surrounds the characters. I just think when it came to the personability of the characters, that's where it fell short and there was a little bit of a disconnect, for me at least. And even though it's filled with a lot of weird or unusual sci-fi elements like giant worms that can be written by people, the story itself still has a classic and timeless structure to it. So that, combined with the fact that he came up with a whole world that was something totally new, I can understand why this was such a groundbreaking book. This would have rocked my world had I been reading this as a teenager in the late 60s and 70s. And this world he created was so imaginative and original that he went on to inspire other sci-fi writers as well, which I already mentioned briefly, but I want to touch on it a little bit more because one of the writers he inspired actually went on to become even more famous than Frank Herbert himself, and that's George Lucas. If you're a big Star Wars fan, but you've been totally unfamiliar with Dune up to this point, I'm about to potentially shock you a bit. Because George Lucas was so inspired by Dune that it potentially borders on copyright infringement. I don't want to get sued by George Lucas for slander though, so this is all alleged. I also don't want to give too much away about Dune either, but essentially it seems like George Lucas took Dune and a lot of its elements, ran with it, and did his own thing with it. He definitely used it as a jumping off point, but some of the Star Wars comparisons that kind of walk the line between inspiration and copying include the desert planet Tatooine, which is like Arrakis, the Tusken Raiders, kind of similar to the Freeman, even the Force seems to be borrowed from something in Dune, the whole idea of family dynamics and the Empire, and the most obvious one being the boy-savior protagonists, Luke Skywalker and Paul Atreides. That being said, there are enough differences that make Dune its own story, so it's worth giving a read. It's not so similar that you'll feel like you're just reading Star Wars. 
And even though there is a certain amount of overlap, it's still really interesting to see where George Lucas got his inspiration from. Plus, it is important to add that Dune is just the first book of what went on to become a series of seven more books, which I haven't read, so I have no idea how closely Star Wars is or isn't to the rest of the series. My point is essentially that Frank Herbert walked so George Lucas could run. If you are interested in reading Dune though, I do want to manage your expectations a bit more and let you know ahead of time that it's far from perfect. There's a reason I'm giving it three and a half out of five stars. For starters, the writing style, particularly the dialogue, was just really odd. It was kind of stiff and clunky, so this wasn't a smooth or fluid read. I got the impression that Herbert was going for something almost Shakespearean, but ended up missing the mark. Plus, the book also fluctuated between a character's thoughts and what they would say out loud, which I love in theory, but it just wasn't executed very well. I think this is what added to the clunky feeling and made it a little disorienting at times. Herbert also gave really cool and unique names to some of the characters, planets, different things, like the spice being called Melange, the planets Arrakis and Caladan. I loved it. But then he named Paul's mother Jessica. This just felt so silly and out of place that it really took me out of the sci-fi universe. Even the name Paul is kind of borderline for me. So there's some things like this throughout the book that kept it from being a five-star read, for me at least. It's also somewhat of a slow burn, but that makes sense when you know that there are seven more books after this one. This book does work really well on its own as a standalone. This book doesn't need any sequel to be complete on its own, so don't think that once you've read this one, you're sort of in it and required to finish the series. But if you do get started on Dune soon enough, you'll have it finished in time for the Dune movie they've made that's being released in October of this year. It stars Timothée Chalamet as Paul, Oscar Isaac as his father, Stellan Skarsgård, Zendaya, and a ton of other really accomplished actors. Plus, there'll also be an accompanying TV series for HBO Max, so maybe that's a little motivation to read this before then and see how they hold up to the book. Overall, though, it's thrilling, immersive, and interesting. It's an exploration of personal identity and potential, the relationship between body and mind, fighting against imperialism, and environmental concerns. And since everything in pop culture is an expression or reflection of the time and place it was produced, including societal fears and anxieties, it's easy to see how this book was a reflection of what was going on in the 60s and 70s. But it also makes sense for present day, which is maybe why so many people have been reconnecting with Dune recently, and it's having a bit of a renaissance moment. But whatever the case, it's worth a read for all of my fellow sci-fi listeners and readers. So with that said, I'm going to end the episode here. I know this was a much longer episode than usual, so I really appreciate you all listening in and bearing with me. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books, subscribe to the podcast from wherever you're listening from, rate and review on iTunes, and I will talk to you all in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. If you like the show, you can rate and review on iTunes, and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books. 